Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The last time the Green Bay Packers won a Super Bowl was 2011. That was when the Packers defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers 31-25 at Jersey World in Dallas. Are the Packers now poised to break their 10-year Super Bowl drought? Welcome, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for another Packers podcast. Hello, partner. Hello, young man. How are we feeling? <laughs> young man. <laughs> <laughs> well, when was your last visit to the optometrist? Huh? <laughs> One of my New Year's resolutions, Gary, is to be, is to be more positive, right? And, and find the... Uh, the, the light and everything. So we're, we're, you, you and I are both just a couple of young pups all of a sudden again. There you go. Rob, uh, the Packers did it last Sunday. They uh, clinched the NFC's number one seed in the upcoming playoffs. And uh, they beat the arch rival Chicago Bears. And while it wasn't a masterpiece, the Packers nevertheless got the job done. Uh, they finished their regular season at 13-3. and three which is what they did last year. And then they went on and advanced to the NFC championship game before getting crunched by the 49ers. Uh, Rob, what do you think the Packers have to do now to uh, take it to the next step and uh, get back to the Super Bowl? Honestly, Gary, I think they just have to continue playing the way they have throughout this season. I, they weren't good enough last year. Their point differential, their plus minus margin Gary last year was plus plus 63 which means they outscored people by about four points a game uh, they're up to plus 140 this season which wow. puts them at almost nine points a game I mean that's 80 points higher this season th than last season in terms of what they're what they're beating people by I mean Gary when when, when you break it down I'm going to just throw some numbers at you that are to, to me, at least, because I'm a numbers guy, pretty fascinating. I, I hope they're I hope they're just as interesting <laughs> to our listeners, Gary. But, I'm a numbers guy too. Go, yeah, yep. fire, fire away. Okay, so Gary, how many times would you guess since 1967 the Packers have been in the top ten in rushing offense, passing offense, and total offense since 1967? So we're talking. We're talking 53 years, right? 54 years. now. I'll say four. Great guess. Three. Okay. 03, um, 04, which were obviously the heyday of Amon Green. So they could pair the running game with Favre and the passing game. And then 13, when Eddie Lacy really broke on the scene. Well, they did it again this year, Gary. So technically you're spot on with the four. This was the fourth. It is amazing when, when a team, to me, Gary, can pull that off because – in, in today's NFL, that, that's extremely hard to do. Mm -hmm. They finished eighth in rush offense. They finished ninth in pass offense. They finished fifth in total offense. And they finished number one in points per game at almost 32 a game. <laughs> Gary, now let's flip it to the defensive side of things. And the defense gets beat up a lot in these parts. And, and rightfully so. They haven't had a top defense uh, or top 10 defense since 2010 that season, which, which obviously then was, was the Super Bowl year when they won it in February of 11. Um, they finished ninth, Gary, in total defense. So we're talking fifth in total offense, ninth in total defense. So two top 10 units, which uh -huh. again, 
There aren't many in the league that do that, Gary. That's a rarity when, when you have salary in, in the salary cap era. And a lot of times you have to pick which side of the ball you're going to load up. Um, Green Bay has found a way to strike a balance there. Ninth in total defense, uh, seventh Gary in, in passing defense, uh, a group that's really come on of late 13th in rush defense, which I think at the start of the year, most people would have been shocked if we told them, Let, let's get to January and see where that rush defense is. I think most people would have put them in the mid twenties or something like that. They finished 13th in, in rush defense, Gary, and then 13th in points allowed uh, at 23 a game. But Gary, over the last five weeks, they're only 17 points a game in terms of what they allowed. They're peaking on that side of the ball at the perfect time. They still have to fix special teams. Uh, if, if I was that coach, Gary, I would bench or, or flat out cut Tavon Austin. There's no place on a roster to me and certainly no place on a football field for a fumbler when you get to the postseason. And Tavon Austin is a career fumbler, Gary. I, I looked this stat up the other day and it blew my mind, Gary, but from, from 13 to 17, when he was kind of at the heyday of his career, he's a little bit older of a player now. He fielded 158 punts, Gary. Mm-hmm. He fumbled 17 of them. <laughs> we're, we're talking 11. I mean, that, that, that's a junior high ratio, you know. Oh my God, that's fifth grade. Um, <laughs> it's it it just blew my mind that stat that the kid would put, you know, one out of every nine punts that he fielded on the ground. That to me is a remarkable stat, and I haven't had a chance to ask Matt Lafleur that question yet. I plan to do it. I plan to do it at the Zoom conference tomorrow, but um, it, it, he's got 23 career fumbles in, in the return game, Gary. That, that's just not a guy to me you can put on the field uh, in, in the postseason. It, it, you know, I would mm-hmm. rather send out a good hands guy like Alan Lazard, uh, just fair catch the ball. If you remember in the late 90s, they did that for a year or two with Mike Pryor. They, did, right, they, didn't, exactly. they didn't like their people in the return game, and, and they just said, you know what? Favre and Freeman and Levens and these they're they're good enough to go score points let's just make sure we don't turn the ball over and Holmgren took a guy like Mike Pryor and said just go back there and fair catch the stupid thing that's what I would do right now if I was Matt LaFleur and John Menenga and and this whole group of coaches but but Gary your initial question and I and I've rambled here as as usual I find that hard to believe is, is is what do they have to do and outside of special teams, which obviously still needs to get cleaned up dramatically. And let's be honest, it probably won't happen until next season when there's a new special teams coach in place. They just need to keep doing what they've done on both sides of the ball. I don't think anybody in the NFC overly scares you, except maybe Tampa Bay, which routed you earlier in the season. But take care of business at home and then see what happens when you get to that, you know, when, when you get down to t- Tampa potentially for the Super Bowl against either the Chiefs or the Bills or or the Steelers, whoever comes out of the AFC. You know, Rob, I was watching uh, Sunday's game, and when Austin, you know, coughed up the ball, I cracked up. And I wasn't cracking up because he fumbled the ball. I cracked up because you had said that on two prior occasions on this podcast that this was going to happen. I mean, you're Nostradamus, you know? I, I mean, Gary, it's you know, it isn't the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I mean, all, all you have to do is pop in the tape of this guy. And, and I get it. Teams were fascinated with him a decade ago. 
when he lit up the combine and he was the eighth pick in the draft and all that kind of stuff, his, his career has not panned out. What, what, what shocked me even more, Gary, is that Matt LaFleur kept putting him back on the field. I mean, he, he, he had him out there in some offensive sets, running some jet motion. He left him out there in the return game. I'm telling you, Gary, and I keep saying it on, on this podcast, and I hope I'm wrong for all our Packer fans and, and listeners and Packer Nation out there. I mean, unless they get this special team stuff corrected, we're, we're going to have a Brandon Bostic-type situation coming up here in the next two or three weeks. Okay, where, thanks, you know, Nestor Thomas. <laughs> where, 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 where they lose 30-27 to the Saints because of a, 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 a late fumble by somebody like Austin a return for a touchdown, uh, you know, by somebody on the Rams, whoever the opponent is, whatever the situation is, Gary, we, we can almost go back week to week since the midpoint of the season and find some laughable offense on this special teams. And it, and it cracks me up. And I've said it here before. I, I think Sean Menenga is a really nice guy. I like him as a human. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm telling you, his units are, are a disaster. And, and he talks week after week in these Zoom calls we do with him, Gary, about, well, it's just one play here or there. And yeah. you know, we're kind of remembered for our, our one play things. I mean, it's it's like with Jeff Supon or Dave Bush, right? You know, when they when they used to pitch for the Brewers and they, they'd say after the game, you know, boy, I, you know, 95 <laughs> pitches, I, I was terrific. But those other five that they hit out of the park, it wasn't very good. And, and that's what these – that's what we've that's what they're at now with the Packers special teams, Gary. It's it's a player to a game that that will eventually cost you. Points are at a premium in the postseason. You can give away some points to to Jacksonville, to to Atlanta, to some of these donkeys that you've played through the course of the season. You can't give points away to Russell Wilson and Seattle if they come up to Lambeau. You can't give points to Tom Brady. You can't give points to Drew Brees. And they're giving away points in that part of the game. Now they're they're terrific again on the offensive side, and they've developed themselves into I you know I I would say a winning defense, Gary. Um, but special teams are so laughably bad. You you know from their perspective, they they just have to pray to almost get a draw. In, in, in that game against the Bears five six weeks ago at Lambeau, they got a draw, and it felt like a win. Um, you know that they haven't won on that side of the ball since then. They've they've got to find a way though, Gary, in the playoffs to get a draw on special teams. And if they do that, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. If, if they don't, Gary, if, if there's another 2014 Brandon Bostic moment, we, we could be sitting here the week after the season ends, you know, talking about, remember that podcast we did and, you know, the first week of January and we called this because it's pretty clear. It's pretty evident to everybody out there. The question is, can they find some answers here in the next couple of weeks and find a way to get to the 55th Super Bowl? No, your, your point is uh, definitely valid. Uh, I thought there's like two ways Packers could, could lose a playoff game. As you mentioned, uh, the special teams. And my other one was MVS being wide open again for an 80-yard touchdown pass, and he drops it. <laughs> I mean, what is with this guy? I mean, he, the, the only thing that's consistent about him this is inconsistency. I mean, it, it's maddening how he can look so great at times and then just so god awful at, at, at others. And uh, you mentioned about LaFleur sticking with Austin. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think the <coughs> Packers have any other choice at this point but to stick with MVS. But man, I'll, I'll tell you what, he, he really tests, tests you. 
you use the perfect word, Gary, with maddening. And I keep using that in stories that I write. I, I don't remember a more maddening Packer, you know, over the last 25 or 30 years than this guy, because he, again, he can look brilliant on one play. They got him lined up the other day against a linebacker in Trevathan and he runs right by him, um, you know, for a touchdown. And, and he makes the game look easy like that at times. And then he obviously drops the 53 yard touchdown pass that really, to me, would have, would have kind of put the game away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that, that gave the bears life. They hung around and they actually made things pretty interesting. And, you know, and, and, until there were six, seven minutes left, five minutes left in that football game, Gary, what's absolutely remarkable to me. And I tweeted the stat out the other day, Rogers finished the year at like 121.5 in, in passer rating. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which was the second highest mark in the history of the NFL. Rogers holds the record. 122.5 that he set I, I think it was 2011 when he when he posted that number it's 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 the highest in in league history Gary if MVS catches that 53 yard touchdown pass Rogers passer rating for the year jumps from 121.5 to 122.7 and he sets the <laughs> all-time mark for passer rating if you just factor in that one play it gives Rogers the extra completion 53 extra yards and the extra touchdown and his quarterback rating would have actually jumped more than a point, which was the differential. So not only, you know, I mean, I know MVS feels terrible and all that kind of stuff, but, but from the perspective, Gary, that Rogers could have, you know, set the all time mark for passer rating. If all MVS does is haul in that pass. And, and let's be honest, Gary, that that pass could not have been placed on his hands any any easier than that. I, I, I think we go out Gary and watch a seventh grade football game sometime together next fall. We'll, we'll see most of those kids making that catch. It's um, like you said, it, it, it's maddening that a guy with that size and, and speed ratio, a guy who ran a four, three, seven coming out of college um, has hands like that still three years into the league. And I, there are some people out there that have said to me, well, maybe he'll turn into James Jones. Remember James Jones had problems <laughs> catching so. the ball early in his career and things like that. MVS is not heading toward a James Jones no, no. kind of a career. He's, he's probably got this year and one more left in green Bay and, and they'll wave goodbye and, and move on from him. And he will lament the fact down the road that he, he wasted this unbelievable opportunity to play with a first ballot hall of fame quarterback. But but you're right, Gary. Uh, I mean, that that's what they go to the postseason with Adams, Lazard, MVS, Tunyon. And they'll, they'll try to, they'll try to make the passing game, you know, go with those four guys and, and it should, it's gone. Okay. For the, for the better part of the season or better than, okay. Obviously Rogers has 48 touchdown passes, which is a remarkable number right there, but that yeah, I, MVS still heads to, to me, Gary, I'm with you. He's a wild card going to this postseason. You know, he can win you a game. He can lose you a game. And um, I, I'm not a big fan of having those guys on my roster. I'm not a big fan of having those guys on the football field. But but that's where the Packers are right now. And 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 they'll need good MVS to show up if, if they're going to get, uh, you know, if they're going to get through the next two rounds of the playoffs. Well, you know, what, what's really baffling, though, is, is LaFleur, at least on the surface, seems like a stickler for detail. And, you know, I, I think it's reflected in the number of games the Packers have played this year without having a turnover. I mean, it's, it's some crazy number. Correct me if I'm wrong, maybe like eight or 10 or something like that. And it, and it just tells you how efficient that team is. 
And if that would have been MVS's first drop or second drop or third drop, okay, you know, I, I get it. But when you, he's dropped at least what, four or five passes this year? I mean, potentially big game passes. Uh, you know, at some point, you got to say enough is enough. Yeah, Gary, if you remember, Mike Holmgren was really a stickler for that kind of stuff. The fumbles, yes. he, would, he, would, he would bench a player for that. The, the drops, uh, everybody remembers the video of him grab, grabbing Billy Schrader by the helmet in that, <laughs> in that game up in Minnesota in probably, what was that, 97 or 98, and, and mm-hmm. it kind of whipping him around for, for, for goofy play that, you know, uh, Schrader had made. Um, I, I, and I, I'm with you. Lafleur, I think, is definitely a, a stickler for detail. The bottom line, though, Gary, I mean, what are your other options? I guess at right. this point in time, right. right? I mean, do you did you all of a sudden start giving you know Malik Taylor 50 snaps or or something like that? Do you get do you, do you incorporate right Tavon Austin into the offense more? I don't. I I wouldn't even want him on my football team. Um, you know, so this is kind of who you are. Maybe you go more tight ends and it's at certain points in time now that, you know, Sternberger will be back and, and, and maybe Daphne has emerged a little bit, but, but the bottom line is, you know, I, I, I think MBS still finished second on the team in receiving yards. He, he does give you that big play opportunity and option that nobody else on the roster really does. I mean, mm-hmm. no, no, nobody has that, you know, size to speed ratio that, that he does. So the, the, the other guys are certainly not burners and, and you see what he can do, Gary. I mean, he can take the top off a of defense. They'll, you know, in, in that game specifically on, on Sunday, they're, you know, they, they've got Adams bracketed, Fuller following him all over the field, safety help over the top. You know, they're, they're trying to take away all that short and intermediate stuff. If, if you can hit the home run like you did there with, with MVS early in the game, um, it, it's going to change maybe how teams play you in terms of coverage. And, um, the problem, obviously, from Green Bay's standpoint is, is MVS drops the second one or that game's probably over. Yeah, um, no, but, no, if teams, no. but if teams try to do that to Green Bay, I think, Gary, in, in, in the postseason now where they try to take away Adams, that stuff is going to be there for Valdez Scantling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yep. going to be opportunities yep. there for, for a guy like Tunyon and, and guys like Lazard. And, 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 and they're going to have to step up and make plays or this team might get bumped at somewhere along the way. I don't think it's going to happen, Gary. I, I like how things line up for Green Bay. Um, I, again, I, I really like how they're playing on both sides of the ball. They just need these wild card players to, to find a branch of consistency to grab onto because right now M- MVS is, is a coin flip. Um, like we've talked about a guy like Tavon Austin, his job's probably in jeopardy right now. You, you can't have question marks going to the postseason. Um, I, for the most part, I think Green Bay has far fewer question marks, Gary, than the average football team out there. But the couple that they do have, they do need to get solved and shored up. Or there's certainly a chance a team like Tampa, the Rams, Seattle, New Orleans comes in and knocks them off. Well, you know what? Uh, when when Gutekunst decided not to draft a receiver in the first two rounds, um, you know, I had the same perception <laughs> that a lot of Packer fans, uh, you know, have, have had, and that's that he, that he blew it. And so far in the regular season, that hasn't come back to haunt him, but I want to see what happens now in the playoffs when you play against good teams, good secondaries, and you better have that second good receiver. 
And, uh, you know, maybe MVS will come through, maybe Lazard will come through, and uh, it, it won't be talked about. But if this team falters because, you know, in part at least, because of their wide receiving core, that uh, draft situation is going to be revisited. Oh, there, there's no question, Gary. I mean, and, and they have a chance to see elite corners here coming up in the next two or three weeks. Exactly. I mean, Ramsey and you know, Los Angeles, let, let, let's say, let's say the Rams pull an upset Gary and, and knock off Seattle in that six, three game coming up this weekend. And now the Rams are the team that, that comes to Lambeau. I mean, Ramsey is certainly good enough. What did Adams have this year? One fifteen, I think for almost 1400 yards in the 18 touchdowns, you know, so, so we're talking over a hundred yards a game because he missed the two and a half games. We're, we're, we're talking Gary nine catches a game, for Adams and we're talking about one and a half touchdowns a game I mean Ramsey is good enough to keep Adams let's say four catches 50 yards and it's a coin toss on a touchdown right so now we're talking about MVS Tunyon Lazard Aaron Jones are the guys that really have to step up maybe St. Brown a little bit in there Um, you know the Saints have a dynamic corner in Lattimore Um, Mm -hmm. he will follow Adams all over the field that could be your NFC championship game Gary Seattle's defense is much improved the second half of the season, they will do everything possible to take Adams out of that football game. So you're exactly right. And and we've talked about the options before on this podcast. I mean, Jefferson to Minnesota was gone four picks before they took Jordan love, but a guy like a guy like T Higgins in Cincinnati, who just finished a a really good rookie year, a guy like Pittman with the Colts who emerged late in the season. And I think is going to turn out to be a really good wide receiver there. You know, there's, there's four or five guys, Gary, um, you know, obviously Claypool with the, with the Steelers had a, had a monster rookie year. Um, th- th- there's a handful of guys that Gutekunst could have grabbed instead of Jordan Love that, um, you know, I think would have already by now been your second best wide receiver on this football team. Now, I, I'm yeah. not so sure even Cephas went to help them. Oh, I totally, I totally agree with you. I, I think he's better first round. Was hard. Um, I, I, I think without question. Now, now Gary, I, I've said it from day one, and I'm going to stay with it. I, I think the Packers got fortunate here. They're, they're, they're going to get the best of both worlds. They're winning now, and they've drafted their quarterback for tomorrow. And if they hit on it, they're going to keep winning into the you know later part of the 2020s. This could turn out to be win-win for them. But you're exactly right. I mean, if, 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 if they're losing – right 24 20 to the saints with a minute left and mvs is behind that defense and drops a 60 yard touchdown and they lose the title game we will talk about not taking a wide receiver and we will talk about the jordan love pick uh, literally a decade from now right and yeah probably hey you know the only other possible it's absolutely possible based on what we've just witnessed now the last 17 weeks oh no no question you know the only other real concerns i have and and, uh, you know, this is brought up ad nauseum, but, you know, their run defense, they, they did a great job with Derrick Henry a couple of weeks ago, but uh, I still have my doubts about the run defense. And then another area of concern from my perspective is the offensive line. And uh, they already lost Bakhtiari and uh, they're thin at that, that uh, area. And my goodness, if they would lose another offensive lineman, they could be in a world of hurt. Gary, I was telling my kids a story the other day about a, about a man named Bruce Wilkerson. All right. 
who came out of nowhere, a journeyman tackle, and when the Packers had problems at left tackle all throughout that season, from, from Ken Rutgers to John Michaels to Gary Brown to, I mean, they, they tried and failed multiple times at left tackle that season and called upon Bruce Wilkerson late that year when, uh, when injuries struck and other guys just, just failed to perform. And Bruce Wilkerson was terrific late in the year and in the postseason, and it helped him win the 31st Super Bowl, um, obviously against the New England Patriots. Gary, we, we could have something similar going on right now with Billy Turner. Turner wasn't very good the other day against the Bears. He was okay. But I still think, Gary, there, there is plenty on that offensive line for them to go and win a Super Bowl. I mean, look, they just scored 35 points yep. against an elite defense in the league, right, without – let's call Bakhtiari their third or fourth most important player on offense. I guess I'd go Rogers Adams, Bakhtiari Jones, probably if I'm ranking their most important players on, on that side of the ball, they still have six Gary that you can absolutely go ahead and win with. Um, and in terms of what they've shown you on film and what they've proven this year uh, from left to right, Turner Jenkins, Lindsley, Patrick, and, and now Rick Wagner. Rick Wagner's a surprise to me. If, if you remember when we did these at the start of the year, I, I didn't think Rick Wagner was going to make the football team. I, I, I didn't think they were going to pay that much money to a backup. Um, he's had a really good year in spot duty. He's made about eight or nine starts. He's, he's kind of their super sub. Um, he's going to fill in at right tackle now, obviously, the, the rest of the season if everybody stays healthy. And, he, and he's played at a much higher level than he did the last two or three years with the Lions which, you know, is obviously why the Lions released him in, in the last offseason. And then, and then Gary, the, the sixth one is obviously Runyon, the rookie out of Michigan, who's right. had some spot duty and filled in in the interior of the line and uh, has held up absolutely fine. When you think that, you know, they, they've lost two of their top eight with Bakhtiari and Lane Taylor, and uh, they're, they're still plugging along with these six and, and really performing at a high level. And Brian Bulaga is gone from last year. Went off to uh, went off to play with the Chargers this year. I, I'm amazed at how well this unit, for the most part, has has held up and played through the course of the season. Last I looked, Pro Football Focus had Lindsley as the best center in the league. Jenkins is a Pro Bowler. Bakhtiari's a Pro Bowler. They've gotten solid play on the right side of the line when that was Turner and Wagner, and now even with Turner on the left side, Lucas Patrick was outstanding. Gary in that win Sunday. I thought Akeem Hicks could destroy the Packers game plan uh, from Chicago, but Patrick for the most part got a draw or even won that matchup. And, and that was a huge win for green Bay for Patrick to play as, as well as he did Gary. And uh, no, I, I have no issues or concerns with the offensive line. Um, I, I think that unit's going to be more than fine. The run defense to me, Gary, I guess, and it, we, we've got to see him do it now in the playoffs. Right. But, but that Henry, performance a couple weeks ago when they kept him under a hundred yards um, to me. And now, and now you add stacks Harrison to this mix. And even if it's only 10 to 20 snaps a game for, for him to come in there and base in, in base defense and try to slow down the run game is going to be huge. I think for green Bay, I, I think they're good enough up front there, especially when they get Kiki back from that concussion. I think they're fine uh, on it in, in, in that area, Gary, um, no, I, I look at the NFC on a whole. There's nobody that dramatically scares you. Um, I think they're the clear-cut favorite. And, and Gary, it, uh, it to me, would be an upset if they're not playing in the 55th Super Bowl. 
Yeah, here you're talking about snacks, uh, Harrison. <laughs> I, I, I talked to two NFL people uh, this past week about them, and uh, they they both agreed that uh, snacks had one too many snacks. And uh, they, they both said they looked at film of him. One team, in fact, said that they were looking desperately to sign a defensive tackle. They said, no way. One guy just just ripped him. I mean, he didn't have anything good to say about him. Thought he was lazy, out of shape as usual. Um, and, and what one guy said was kind of interesting. He said, the Packers must be desperate. And I'm wondering about Kenny Clark you know, about his health. I mean, he played, you know, pretty well Sunday, but there's got a reason they decided to bring this guy in, especially a guy that, you know, based on the the opinions of these two guys, doesn't have it anymore. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see where uh, he shows up. Hey, Rob, the other thing, yeah, in uh, preparing for this show, I, I was looking back at past Super Bowl champions, okay? Obviously, the Packers' last title was uh, 2011. And then I started thinking about America's team, okay? I mean, we're, we're talking about a 10-year drought for the Packers. You know when the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl? Oh, it's the 1995 season, Gary, when they when they beat Green Bay 38-27 in the NFC title game. You are all over it. You yeah, are. I mean, we're, we're talking five years. Century there, Gary. Twenty-five and, uh, years, and they're America's I, team. I, it, 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 it's it's absolutely crazy for them to maintain that name or that tag, whatever you want to call it. That yeah. moniker is almost comical with that winning percentage. And 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 I mean, they won three out of four, obviously with Jimmy, and then and then Switzer won the third one. But um, I mean that that was Jimmy's team, and it was and it was completely dismantled by by Jerry Jones, and they they haven't been the same since. And um, and they yeah, haven't been so back, it's right? Crazy, yeah. twenty five years, gear. Yeah, I mean they they haven't been back either, right? Right, right. So, I mean, it's not only did they not win a Super Bowl, they haven't been to the Super Bowl. Talk about an overrated France franchise that uh, losing reputation. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rob, let's uh, talk about some of the other teams around the NFL here. Uh, the Packers got uh, a bye week. They can rest up, get their bodies and minds right. But uh, 12 teams will be playing. And uh, we have three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. And uh, let's go through each one, just some quick, quick hits on uh, each of these games. Uh, one of them is number seven, Indy uh, versus number two, Buffalo. Bills are favored by six and a half points. Who do you like? Well, how good is that conference, first of all, right? Where the 11 yeah. and five Colts are a, a, a seven. Right. Isn't that crazy when, when the Bears are in on the, on the flip side at eight and eight and the Redskins are in at seven and nine. No, the AFC is loaded. I, I but, but Buffalo to me is the one team that can knock off Kansas City. Gary, the, the, the quarterback there in, in Allen is, is much better than I ever thought he'd be coming out of coming out of Wyoming he he's exceeded all expectations I'll tell you what Mel Kuyper got it right on that one um Mel Kuyper takes a beating on on some of his personnel evaluations I think he had him the number one pick in the draft a few years ago um I I think Allen ended up going about seven or eight when mm-hmm. it was all said and done but but no I I, I like Buffalo there Gary to roll they're uh they are complete on both sides of the football they they remind me a little bit right now of the Packers that 
they are peaking on defense. They struggled early in the year on that side of the ball. They, they, they had taken some hits with the people they lost. They beefed up their offense with their available salary cap room last offseason. They made the trade for Diggs, who, who obviously had a huge year for them, and, and some other people on the offensive side of the ball. And, and they, they probably took a, min, a minor step back on defense. Well, their defense has gotten better, Gary, as, as the year has gone along, and, and I think they're going to roll past old man Rivers and the Colts. Yeah, I, I'm going to take a different uh, view on this one. I, I think the Colts are, are going to keep it close, and I, I think they might even upset them. That, that, this is my upset uh, pick of, of, of the week. Wow. And, and I'm saying that simply because of former Mr. Badger, Jonathan Taylor. And uh, the, the, the kid had a great rookie year. I mean, he got overshadowed, you know, by several other rookies who had exceptional years. But, you know, last week, you know this, Jonathan Taylor had 253 yards. And, and granted, it was against the Jags. But he's been playing at a really high level for like the last three, four, five weeks now. And uh, in, in fact, in the last four weeks, if I'm not mistaken, he's averaging, Rob, over 150 yards a game. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, or 140 yards a game. But nevertheless, I mean, that's, that's really impressive. And if they can control the ball with Taylor, I, I think they have a chance. You hit the key for them. I mean, there's no question. The key is the run game and Taylor and, you know, and, and, it, and it took Marlon Mack going down early in the year. And yeah. Gary, you even remember in, in whatever it was, November 22, I think when, when the Packers went to Indy, he wasn't even their number one back, you know, that particular day. So by right. then we're on week 11, I think. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know what took Frank Reich so long. I kept asking the same thing about Nagy and the bears with Montgomery. It, it, it is kind of mystifying sometimes with, with some of these coaches. I mean, Taylor looks like a, a future four or five time pro bowler. Doesn't he, yes, he, he sure does. He's run the ball the, the last month. I just, I think Buffalo will, will take him away and make rivers beat them through the air. And, um, I have real doubts whether rivers can do that or not. So yeah. no, I, yeah. I, 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 I think Buffalo, by at least a couple of scores, Gary. Okay. Then the uh, number six Rams play the number three Seahawks and uh, Seattle's favored by four and a half points. Um, Russell Wilson has had his problems in the uh, second half of the season, but it, it seems like he's getting back on track. I think he's had like 12 touchdowns and three interceptions in the last five games. And, you know, the surprising thing is their defense has really, really picked it up. Uh, down the stretch and um, I don't think they've given up Rob more than 17 points in like five or six of the last games so uh, you know that that was the big problem early in the season their offense was unbelievable their defense was horrible but now it's uh, kind of kind of switched uh, switched so your thoughts yeah the the Rams are just so beat up right we we yes. don't know whether Goff will play or not with that thumb uh, we don't know whether Cam Akers will play uh, and what the Rams will have at running back. I, I, I know Cup missed last week's game. I, I don't exactly know what, what the Rams are going to have at wide receiver. Um, I mean, these teams obviously being in the same division know, know each other remarkably well. And, and, and again, I, I, I talk about Jalen Ramsey a lot. Um, I watched a couple earlier Rams-Seahawks games 
where he can just, and he will probably just go take Metcalf almost out of the football game, Mm -hmm. you know, keep him to three, four, five catches for 50 yards or less, something like that. The thing is Seattle has enough other ways to beat you. Now they, they have finally gotten healthy at running back um, over the last two, three weeks where, where their guys are back there. Uh, Lockett's good enough to, to go on the other side and get seven, eight, nine catches and a couple of touchdowns. Gary, I think it's going to be relatively low scoring, uh, but I think Seattle wins 23, 13, something like that. I just, so I they'll cover in your mind a little, yeah, a little too big up to, to go into Seattle and win that game. I, I would expect Seattle to roll to, to win the game. Well, another team that figures to roll is uh, Tampa Bay. They're the number five seed taking on the number four seed. If you can believe this, Washington Buccaneers are favored by eight and a half points. And, if you've been following Tampa Bay, you knew from the outset they would have a potent uh, offense and a pretty darn good defense. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> you and I disagree on this guy, but to me, Antonio Brown is the X factor for that team, and he has really been playing well uh, in the last four or five games in particular. Last week he had 11 catches for 138 yards and two touchdowns, and you put him on the field with Mike Evans, man, your secondary better be on its toes. And and not only that, Godwin and Gronk and Scotty Miller, yeah. right? And, and that stable of running backs. No, I mean, I we've talked about it before on the podcast, Gary. There's no question from a talent perspective. Um, they've made it this far now, right? They've they've made it to wild card weekend with without Antonio Brown imploding and wrecking that locker room and wrecking that football team. And, and I know he's closing the year strong. Tampa's peaking. I mean, Tom Brady threw 40 touchdowns. Think about that. Um, that's, that, 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 that's a crazy high number. And he's obviously the GOAT, you know, Brady, that is. He's the, you know, he, he, he's the greatest postseason quarterback and probably player in the history of the league. Uh, Gary, I would love nothing more than uh, a week from now. We're talking about Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Rodgers and Brady in the divisional playoffs. I mean, can you imagine the ratings on that thing oh. from a, from a league perspective, if they put it on a Saturday night or something like that, I mean, crazy, you shut down the world for, for people that, that, you know, that, that thing will draw about a 70. Um, it's, oh, it's, come on, Rob, you're going to sit and watch the Bucks Cavaliers <laughs> game. I know you. <laughs> Gary, you couldn't write me enough blank checks to watch the Bucks. Um, that's a, that's a whole other, that's a whole nother show. Yeah, no, okay. the, uh, I'll tell you what I just from a you know from covering this the the team I root for good stories and I can't imagine a better story than if all the favorites win this weekend and it's Tampa Bay that comes to Lambeau for the divisional playoffs and 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 I'll tell you what Chase Young over in Washington is is yelling that he wants Tom Brady good luck (laughs) with that one um I I expect Brady and and the Bucks to keep rolling and to light these guys up and I tell you what Gary I, I I I wish the commissioner would have stepped in and, and just eliminated the whole NFC East from, from the playoffs. I, I know it doesn't work that way, but. Don't you think they it, it, have to impl- implement a rule at some point saying, Hey, if we ever have a situation like this again, if you don't have a 500 record, it doesn't matter if you won your division. I mean, it's just so unfair to so many teams. And uh, just because you won your division, I mean, who cares? It, it was a god-awful division. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally with you. What, what is remarkable, actually, is if you trace history, 
there have been a couple of these sub 500 teams that have then gone and won their playoff games, right? 2010, I think Seattle did it. That was the Marshawn Lynch game when he went nuts against the saints. They were seven and nine that year and, and then went and beat the saints. I think in 2013, Carolina was seven, eight and one, and then they went and won a playoff game. So it, it does kind of defeat that, that argument. It defies logic, Gary. I don't expect this sub 500 football team, the Washington football team, to stand much of a chance. Alex Smith is a statue right now in the pocket. Tampa's going to get after him. They'll turn that team over three, four, five times. They'll probably get a defensive touchdown or two along the way. I think Tampa Bay rolls. Yeah. Yeah. You, you brought up uh, Chase Young before, and I think he's a, a terrific defensive end. I mean, that goes without saying, but the guy I, I really like even more is the guy that plays on the opposite side, Montez Sweat. And people don't realize this, but he's got like two and a half, three more sacks than Chase Young. And uh, I remember when I talked to him down at the uh, Combine in Indianapolis a couple years ago, this guy is a beast. I mean, just talking to him, you're like intimidating, you know, because he's such a massive guy. And uh, I thought perhaps maybe the Packers, in light of their suspect defensive ends, might have went after Sweat, but they didn't. But uh, man, what a combination! I mean, having Young and Sweat, you know, on both sides of the uh, line. Yeah, they're loaded up front. There's no question. I think they've got four or five first-round picks um, in, in inside that front seven. Kerrigan can get after people. They're they're really good at the tackles. I mean, there's no question. If, if they're going to win the football game, it's going to be because of that defensive line. They're actually solid in the back too. It's probably one of the better six or eight defenses in football. Maybe even – they might even be better than that, Gary. But you look at Tampa's offensive firepower, right, With starting with the quarterback, that stable of wide receivers. Gronk has gotten better through the course of the year, and they can run the ball with a couple different guys. And Fournette's got, gotten better as the year has gone along. I think Tampa Bay is going to pick them apart. Brady's, been, Brady's obviously the all-time, all-time great, the best we've ever seen in the, in the postseason. Um, I, I expect this to be a game where – where, where Tampa Bay kind of has its way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Okay, there's also uh, three games on Sunday. Uh, one involves number five Ravens versus the number four Titans. And uh, you would expect this to be a close game. The uh, spread is three and a half points. And I, I think it could be one of those classic old-fashioned physical games. I, I mean, both teams <laughs> don't have any problem getting down and dirty and uh, to me, it's like, hey, if you can keep, you know, Derrick Henry in check, you're going to win the game. If you don't, you're going to lose the game. Yeah, you remember Tennessee went to Baltimore and won last year in the playoffs. Now, now, now we flip it in the games, the games in Tennessee. Um, Gary, these teams are almost identical in terms yeah. of how they want to win the football game, right? Pound away on the ground, ask the quarterback to do a handful of things, not lose the game. Obviously, in the case of Jackson, he can beat you with his legs. Um, I, I don't think he can beat you with his arm, especially if you're behind. I think Tannehill can beat you with his arm a little bit more than, than Jackson can. Baltimore's defense is just better, clearly, than Tennessee's. Everybody in, in Packerland just saw how mediocre to lousy Tennessee's defense was a couple of years ago when the Packers rolled in that 40-14 to 14 game. But, uh, but Gary, I, I, think, I think this is a Derrick Henry game again. I think Tennessee gets out on him early. I think Lamar Jackson has to find a way to bring his football team back. 
He can't do it. He's not good enough to do it from a passing perspective. And I think for the second straight year, Tennessee knocks the Ravens out. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's, I, I my, that's my upset pick. I think Baltimore is a minus four right now, but I, I think Tennessee is going to win in, on, on its home field. Exactly. Get this, you know, the, the, the Packers and Packer nation went all gaga because they held uh, Derrick Henry 98 yards, right? Get, get this Robbins last four games. 250, 98, 147, and 215. <laughs> well, I mean, so, so, so really, Gary, they had every right to go gaga. Exactly. I mean, you held them under 100 yards. I mean, that, that to me was a miracle, but we could talk about that and how he thought Brabel really skewed that game for, for the Titans, but we'll move on. Uh, number seven, Bears, and uh, the number two, Saints. Uh, Saints, get this. Nine and a half point favorites. Um, and you know what? I agree. <laughs> and, and Gary, I would throw the points. I would have no problem giving those points. New Orleans is New Orleans is a very complete football team. Um, I, I, you would expect Kamara is back. He didn't play, obviously, in week 17 uh, with the COVID. Their whole running back room was shut down for, for that game last week against Carolina. But they should get their running backs back. Uh, it's fascinating, Gary, if that was a Saturday game, Kamara and those running backs probably wouldn't have been eligible to play. Now, the fact it's a Sunday game, they, they should be cleared. We still aren't sure on, on Michael Thomas, obviously their number one wide receiver and whether or not he'll play. But I, I think at least in the, in the wild card game, they will be more than fine without Thomas. If he doesn't give it a go uh, this week, Gary, uh, at, at some point in time, like Tremont Williams had the famous quote with the Packers, you got to make, make Mitchell Trubisky play quarterback. And, and you, <laughs> you, you saw that happen last week when the Packers got up a couple scores late yeah. and Mitchell Trubisky had to play quarterback, not, not go with the, with the dink and dunk and all the drop-off stuff, the four or five yard gains where you just possess the football. Um, and what did he do? He threw a pick right to Adrian Amos right away. Um, I, I think the saints jump on him early. Trubisky has to play quarterback, Gary. It's not pretty from the bears perspective. And, and, and here's my prediction. A week from now, um, the general manager and the head coach are out in Chicago. You really think so, huh? I do. Um, wow. At, at least the GM, Gary. The yeah. coach has been to the postseason two of the last three years. Obviously, it wouldn't bode well for the head coach if, if they bring in a new GM because Nagy was obviously Ryan Pace's guy in, the, in that position. But but Gary, if they lose forty to ten, yeah, and, and, and the and the writing is on the wall that that you're not going anywhere with this group, and and the Trubisky era largely comes to an end, I think it's going to be bad news for Ryan Pace, and and I could see the McCaskies uh, making a move there. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, we'll the, the the thing about the Bears too, and you're absolutely right about Trubisky. I mean, who knows which one's going to show up? But uh, their their defense has some major injuries. I mean, you know, you're talking about Roquan Smith, his status is kind of shaky. Um, Johnson, the, the rookie cornerback is nicked up. I mean, two of your best players and you can't go, go into the playoffs with two of your best players, you know, suspect from an injury standpoint. And then the other thing that, that really stood out to me was some of the defensive schemes that the bears used against the Packers and you alluded to it earlier in the podcast about how the Packers isolated MBS on Trevathan, you know, 
I mean, that had to be one of the dumbest defensive assignments I've ever seen. Uh, and, and they did it a couple times where they let their linebackers run with wide receivers. And I, I just don't get it. it. To me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, it, and if they do that with Michael Thomas, if he plays or who, who's the other Samuel Manuel Sanders, yeah, yep. they're, they're, yep. they're going to get burned. They're, they're going to pay the price. No, no doubt about it. Trevathan was a four, eight, two guy in the 40 coming out of college. I mean, how do you, how do you put a guy four eight on a guy like MVS who's four three seven, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, you're you're spot on. I mean, Green Bay did some interesting movement and scheming to to get that matchup. But then if you're Chicago, Gary, and you see that pre-snap, you've either got to get a timeout or you, you've got to get out of that formation and that look. You 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 can't leave an inside linebacker against a, a speed wide receiver. Um, you know, Chicago's defense, I, I still think it's really good, Gary. It might be slightly overrated. It's certainly not at the level it was a couple of years ago, right, when Fangio was there at the start of the Nagy era. Um, they, they haven't been nearly as good or quite as good under Pagano. I think Pagano's a little bit of an overrated guy. He, he flopped as a head coach, and, and, and I don't think they're quite as good on that side. But And you hit it as well. I mean, they lose Roquan. They already didn't have Johnson, their number two corner, who's – who's probably the best rookie defensive player in the division. They're without Buster Scrine, they're nickelback. I mean, so now you're down to your fourth and fifth yeah. corners going into going into a game against Sean Payton. Come on. Good luck with that. That's yeah. it's 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 probably not gonna go well. And and again, Chicago got the last ticket to this to to this uh postseason party to this dance, Gary. But I, you know, I, I don't think it's gonna go well for them. Not even close. Okay. Then uh, we got one more game, and that's uh, the six-seeded Browns against uh, what are the Steelers? I, I didn't write this down. Fourth seed? I think that's a three-six game, Gary. Oh, three-six. Okay, gotcha. You're all over it. Thank you. Uh, the Steelers are favored by four and a half points, and uh, I was thinking that the Browns potentially could win this game, and I still have that inclination because. Uh, Pittsburgh's running game is very suspect. I think they average like 84 yards a game this season, which is God awful. And you would never, ever think that a Mike Tomlin run team would have such a poor running game, but they do. And uh, the Browns seem to uh, be on a high right now. They seem to be on a roll. Unfortunately, uh, the news came out about their head coach, Kevin Stefanski came down with COVID can coach. Now this is the kicker, Rob, you know, who's going to replace them. Did you hear this? Yeah, the special teams coach. Can you imagine if that happened in Green Bay? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think we'd see Sean Menenga leading, you know, <laughs> leading the Packers out of out of the tunnel to for a for a playoff game against Tampa Bay next week. Uh, so I, I'm taking the Steelers. <laughs> you know, it'd be interesting too, Rob. They will not allow Stefanski at the game. I understand, correct? Right. Right. Do you think they'd have some kind of a hookup though, where he would be involved in the play calling during the game? Yeah. I, I don't know the, the league rules and, and the specifics on that Gary, if, if, if that, if that's allowed, I, I would certainly think if, if the league signs off on that and, and, and they okay them to do it, that, that he would, he would certainly want some level of, of say and, and control yeah. decision-making if, you know, whether or not he's doing that from his man cave, right. Or, um, you know, where, wherever he sets up shop on, on Sunday, if he's back in an office in the building, well, he probably won't even be allowed in the building, I guess this week. So yeah, no, it, 
it, it, it would make sense from Stefanski's point of view that he'd want some kind of say and input is especially say come halftime Gary, when you'd want to make adjustments and things like that, it might be tough, you know, play to play inside those, you know, that, that 25, 30 second window for him to have a whole lot of say, but big picture wise, I, I would think um, if the league signs off on that Gary, and again, I don't know those rules. Um, it, it would certainly make a lot of sense. And I mean, it's Cleveland's first playoff game, Gary, in what, 18 years. And I mean, you, you certainly want a voice from, from your head coach at, uh, you know, in, in the biggest game you've had now in, in, in two decades, but, uh, but, but I'm with you. What, what, what'd you say that line was four and a half? I, I think now without Stefanski, it's going to probably jump to the better part of a touchdown. And um, I, I know Pittsburgh can't run the ball. Uh, they'll throw it just fine though. I think on, on Sunday night. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think, I think they'll roll in that football game. All right. Hey, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about, we probably should have talked about it earlier in the podcast, was the heated MVP race, although some people wouldn't claim it's heated, that it's uh, already a given that Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP. But I still contend it's going to be awfully close, that it's going to be between Rodgers and Mahomes and and uh, Patrick Henry as as a third possibility. But... um, are you going along with the general consensus that Rogers already has this wrapped up? You know, Gary, I, I talked to a couple of sports books in the last couple of days that, you know, that I post their odds for them yeah. uh, in various stories. He's, he's anywhere Rogers that is any, anywhere from minus 900 to like minus 1500 at some of these books. So that means you'd have to put down $900 uh, to, to get back a hundred uh, and Mahomes is even the better part of like plus 1500 plus 2000. Now Vegas thinks it's done. Usually you follow the, follow the money trail out of Vegas yeah. there. I'm telling you, you, you ever want to know what's really going on. If there's a, if there's a surprise injury somewhere, just, just watch lines in Vegas. Right. I mean, those, those, those guys are on top of everything. And um, I, Personally, Gary, I, I do think it's, it, it's pretty much done. I mean, Rogers got himself to 48 touchdown passes the other day. That that's 10 more than Mahomes. Um, Mahomes obviously sat out week 17 when Rogers played, but you know, in the process, Gary, he breaks his team record for touchdowns and, you know, which was 45 and 11 uh, that I think he finished fifth all time with those 48 touchdowns. He led the league, Gary, in completion percentage at, at, at almost 71. He led the league in in quarterback rating at 121.5, which was the second highest ever. Um, what did he throw, Gary? Five interceptions, I think. So 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. We're talking a 9.6 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. I mean, Gary, that's almost unheard of, right, when you're pushing yeah. Yeah. 10 to 1 touchdowns to interceptions. I mean, that, that, that's just absolutely remarkable. So, um, Hey, Mahomes is the best player in football, Gary. I, I, I think anybody out there would take him to start a franchise, but this specific season, this particular season, um, I think Rogers numbers are going to wind up being a little bit better than Mahomes. We talked about it on a lot on this, on this podcast, the last four to six weeks, where do the teams finish, right? Well, the teams in mm-hmm. essence finished the same. They both finished as the one seed in, the, in their particular conference. So team success is almost a push. Kansas City had a better record than, than Green Bay by one game, but they're both the number one seed. Um, 
So I, I think at, at the end of the day, Gary, that that this is this is going to be largely a runaway for Rodgers, Mahomes second, Derrick Henry third, with all those touchdowns, and and probably Josh Allen and Buffalo fourth. It's a it's a great year. These guys all have remarkable resumes that they're that they're bringing to the table to win the MVP. But I just think with what Rodgers did. You know, I, I think a lot of people thought last year's 13 and three was a little bit of a, of a fluke, Gary. Mm-hmm. The fact they did it again, they did it in more dominating fashion. And Rodgers had arguably the best year of his career. Um, it, it's going to be tough to vote somebody other than him, I think. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, can see your points and other, other, others' points. I think Mahomes must feel like Donald Trump. You know, like Donald Trump saw Wisconsin, he went to bed at 10 o'clock and he goes, I'm up 100,000 feet. <laughs> wakes up in the morning and I, I think of uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and you brought this up I think last week Did, I mean he was a wide I mean he was so far out in head like what three four five weeks ago in the voting even two Gary it, two it completely weeks. flipped between weeks 15 and 16 when when Mahomes had kind of a so-so game I think it was against Atlanta and Rodgers was was pretty darn good against Tennessee in a primetime game. And they literally almost flip-flopped odds. Yeah, Mahomes went which from, I find absolutely mind-boggling. Because I, I found it mind-boggling, too. I Mahomes mean, went from a, a, a substantial favorite um, to Rodgers going to a substantial favorite. I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure how that switched so much in a week, uh, but it did, at least according to Vegas. And, and again, we'll still see at the end of the day, it comes down to 50 guys across the league that vote. Um, you, 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 you never know who's got, you know, who has opinions one way or the other, who might have a slight bias one way or the other and, and how this all plays itself out. But I think at the end of the day, the, you know, the overwhelming majority of these guys are going to, are going to vote Rogers. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, the other thing that, that nobody's really brought up is, is the, competition they faced and if you look at it correct me if i'm wrong but i, I rogers has beaten two playoff teams right this season let me see gary he's two and all against the bears right oh you know what i forgot the bear okay the bears you're right he beat the saints <laughs> so basically got in okay they backed he in beat the saints and he beat tennessee i think i think i i think he's four and two gary overall uh, the Packers are at least against against playoff teams. They lost to Tampa Bay and they lost to the Colts. Um, yeah. And I, I think the four wins were two against Chicago. Yeah. And again, you could certainly argue the validity of Chicago being in the dance, but they are as the seven, but a 500 football team. Uh, they yeah, beat that. the Saints in New Orleans, which is probably their best win of the year. Uh, either that or Tennessee, obviously, who they dominated in week 16. So I think Green Bay's four and two, Gary, against playoff teams. Yeah, you're right. Against winning teams, though, if you exclude the Bears, you know, he's got two wins. Sure. Okay. Sure. Now, my, my point is Mahomes and his stats are pretty much similar to Rodgers. Rodgers is slightly ahead in, you know, a few categories. But he has led the Chiefs to victories over Baltimore, Buffalo, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans. And uh, to me, you can't dismiss that accomplishment. No, I mean, and, and again, they're 14 and two. It's the best record in the league. They're really 14 and one, right? Because he sits out week 17. So they won 14 out of 15 games with Mahomes. Again, Gary, I, I don't think there's any question. He's the best player in football. 
Yeah. Um, if, if you're starting a franchise, it's a no brainer. That, 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 that is where you start. You, you, you take him and, and you never look back and you know, you're probably going to be in the, in the postseason the next 10 years. And if things go well, you should win three or four Super Bowls uh, along the way. He, he's got a chance to challenge Brady one day as the GOAT. Uh, again, I, is he a better player than Rodgers? Yes. Is he the most valuable player in 2020? Probably not. It, 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 it's two different definitions, right? Best and most valuable. Right. People are going to make the case that, again, and, and you and I don't agree with this. We've talked about it on the show before, but people are going to make the case that Mahomes has far better personnel around him than Rodgers does. I don't think that's accurate. Uh, I don't think some of Green Bay's guys get their due. Uh, maybe that's changing a little bit here with, with what Adams has done this season. But, um, you know, most people will tell you that the, that, that the group with Kelsey and, and Hill and, and Watkins and, and Nicole Herdman and all those guys and, and, the, and the group of running backs, the, you know, the first-round pick out of, out of LSU, that, 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 just, that Mahomes just has far more weapons. I don't think that's the case, but it's the perception, Gary. And a lot of times yeah, perception yeah. is reality. And, and that, that, you know, that, that's going to play into Rogers hand. That's going to help Rogers when it comes to the voting, but, but he, but he did end up with 10 more touchdowns. He, he, he was four, four uh, percentage points higher than, than Mahomes in terms of completion percentage. I think he beat him by 12 or 13 points in, in terms of uh, overall quarterback rating. And he got Green Bay to the number one seed in a year, Gary, where I honestly think the odds makers had Green Bay at 50-50 to get into the postseason. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. he took them to the number one seed, and that's going to help him. So, I, again, I think at the end of the day, he's probably going to get 40 or so of those first-place votes and, and run away with this thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with if they announced tomorrow that Derrick Henry won it. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Totally agree. Derrick Henry might Great. go down yep. as the third best player ever in history to finish third <laughs> in the MVP race. I mean, he's had an incredible year. Totally, totally agree. Running backs get dismissed and overlooked in this thing. Tennessee's probably a six-win six-win team without Derrick Henry. Uh, but but quarterbacks are the glamour position. I think we have to go back a decade, right, to Adrian Peterson. Uh, for the last time we've seen a running back win MVP, yeah. it might be a mere decade, Gary. Um, running backs just are, just are overlooked in in this league, and and a guy like Henry who eclipses two thousand yards. I think there's only eight that have ever done it, and um, I mean that 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 right there should be worth something uh, unto itself. It's not gonna be in terms of him winning the award. And again, I, I mentioned this earlier. I mean, Josh Allen has a remarkable resume that that he's bringing to the table. Russell Wilson had a heck of a year. Um, Tom Brady had a heck of a year with 40 sure touchdowns. There, there are a lot of guys right now that, that on a normal year, uh, you know, might be top two or three candidates that are going to finish fourth, fifth, sixth in, in this particular race, Gary. It's, uh, you know, we, we've just had a kind of a unique year with some of these guys and their stats absolutely blowing up. It was, it was a year that I think favored the offenses without, without crowds and fans um it, it was easier for them to get things done especially on the road we actually had a season gary where where the road teams were over 500 which is which is absolutely remarkable and and it was largely because i think there were no fans and it was a lot easier to run your offense in some of these places and, and a lot easier then for some of these guys to pile up huge huge numbers but you know that's what we're looking at right now and uh you know, my guess is the voting in some or you know, in, in order is going to go Rogers, Mahomes, Henry, and uh, Rogers will tie Favre. 
you know, for three MVPs in, inside the franchise is, is the only guys who have done it. And I, I think there's only six players in the history of the league, Gary, that have, that have won three Peyton leads with five. And, and then there's five other guys that have three and, and Rogers is going to become one of them. All right. See, you know what, Rob, we're, we're going into overtime here. So we got, <laughs> we got to get in our parting shots and uh, we'll, we'll have a coin flip. Who wants to go first? Oh, I can quick go, Gary. We'll let you end on a high. <laughs> Are you high? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fire away, my man. There, there are some days, Gary, I wish I was. I'll tell you that. <laughs> the father of two daughters and living in a house with all females, yes. Yeah, um, you know what? I, I came close to that, two daughters and a son. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I can relate to your situation very well. At least you had some male companionship. Even even my dog, who's a male, acts like a female. So uh, we, we, we won't go there for, for long. All right. Parting shots, Gary. Here we go. I, I, I was going to go off on Doug Peterson. I, ch I changed gears. I, oh. I, thought, I, I thought to myself, Gary, this is a Packer podcast. I'm going to keep it Packer related. Uh, um, now we, you're making me look really bad. <laughs> we, we, we have spent, Gary, a lot of time and, and a lot of – a lot of segments and a lot of our podcasts this particular year praising Aaron Rodgers in the career year that he's in the middle of, and rightfully so. Gary, much like the NBA, there's a regular season and there's a postseason, and they're two completely separate entities. And you're remembered inside the NFL for what you do in the in the postseason. And Tom Brady is the goat for a reason, right? He's 30 and 11 all time in the playoffs. He, he has six Super Bowl, Super Bowl wins. He's been to nine Super Bowls. He's been unbelievable in the postseason. He's, he's the greatest winner in the history of this league. Aaron Rodgers is not in that league, Gary. In fact, he has not been particularly good in the postseason. And I'm going to go through a handful of games right now and to tell you why this is the most important postseason of Aaron Rodgers' career. 2010, the Packers win the NFC title game, Gary, in Chicago, 21-14, despite the fact Aaron Rodgers throws no touchdowns, two interceptions, and has a quarterback rating of 55.4. I remember. 2011, Gary, the Packers go 15-1. and They're an enormous favorite to repeat as Super Bowl champs. Aaron Rodgers that year, Gary, in the regular season, goes over 100 in terms of his passer rating, 14 out of 16 games runaway winner for league MVP. They get to the NFC divisional playoffs against the giants and he lays an egg quarterback rating of 78. The Packers lose 37, 20 probably goes down as the you know most disappointing loss that this organization has had in the last 20 years, 2014, the NFC title game. You can throw a lot of blame around, right? Mike McCarthy, Brandon Bostic, uh, various guys that particular day. Um, Aaron Rodgers is right there in the mix with any of them, Gary. His passer rating that day is 55.8. Holy they, fa they failed yeah. to take advantage of some big opportunities early in that game to bury the Seahawks. Um, they don't do it. Rodgers throws one touchdown, two picks. Seattle comes back, wins the game in overtime. And, it, and again, one of the greatest losses that they've had here in the last 20 years um, and certainly of the Rodgers era. 2016, Gary, NFC title game. They're down 24 nothing at half, 31 nothing early in the third quarter at Atlanta before Rodgers puts up some garbage numbers late and makes his stats look a little bit better. 
Same thing last year, Gary, in 2019 when they're at San Francisco. Uh, they're down 27 nothing at halftime. Um, Rodgers in that game throws two picks. He fumbles it three times. His ball security, which is normally outstanding, is an enormous problem in that football game, and the 49ers run him out of the building. Gary, Aaron Rodgers has been, been bemoaning the fact now for a couple of seasons that he's never played an NFC championship game at Lambeau field. Here's his opportunity. They obviously have a bye this week. They'll be healthy rested when they see whoever they see next week in the divisional round. And then the NFC title game would be in green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, Gary, to me, gets an enormous amount of credit as being one of the greatest of all times, but he hasn't done it in the postseason enough to warrant that. Here's his chance. He can add a second ring. He can add a second Super Bowl appearance. He can reverse the fact that in the four NFC championship games, Gary, that he has played in, he has been largely mediocre to poor to awful. And he's got a chance here coming up in the next two to three weeks to put this team on his back, to play winning football in his own building um, without fans yelling and screaming at him and, and disrupting the offense uh, like he has in the four games that he's been on the road in, in Seattle and in Chicago and Atlanta and in San Francisco in those NFC title games. The, the, this is an incredibly important postseason for Aaron Rodgers' legacy, Gary. Um, he's smart. He knows the history of this league. He studies it like crazy. For him to go down as a top five, six, seven quarterback of all time, he needs a huge postseason. And he can accomplish that, Gary, by taking the Packers back to a Super Bowl and knocking off a team like the Chiefs or the Bills. And someday they will talk about him among the five or six, seven greatest quarterbacks of all time. But Gary, if he flops again in the postseason, it's more ammo for people out there that will point and say Aaron Rodgers couldn't get it done in the playoffs. So here we go, Gary. We're about to fire it up. We're about to start things. And to me, it's the most important postseason of Aaron Rodgers' career. Mr. Reichel, you earned an A plus <laughs> for your parting shot. Outstanding. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you're an easy grader, Gary. Oh no, usually I, I'm a harsh critic, you know. So, do I, do I even have to give my parting shot? God, that would be a great way to end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? This isn't Packer related, so I I feel even worse. But uh, I think it's really really uh, timely. It's newsworthy in light of uh, the possibility of you know fans coming to Lambeau for a playoff game. But uh, my my parting shot is well, most NFL teams have allowed fans to attend only a few games this season because of the COVID virus. The Kansas City Chiefs have been one of the exceptions. The Chiefs have allowed fans to attend every single game this season at Arrowhead Stadium. And not just a few of them, Rob. For each of the Chiefs' eight regular season games um, and with their you know, upcoming playoff games, they are allowing up to 15,000 fans for each game. And uh, you contrast that with the Packers. I think, what was it, last week? Uh, against Tennessee, they allowed, what, 1,000 fans, if I'm not mistaken? I think so. The first responders, yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the uh, Chiefs worked out a deal with city health officials and determined that 22% of Arrowhead could be occupied with fans. And Arrowhead holds 76,000 fans, which is about 5,000 fewer fans in Lambeau Field. 
Um, the Chiefs followed all the protocols, you know, the six feet of distancing. Fans had to stay in their assigned seats and they couldn't uh, move around the premises. And uh, the people that uh, stayed in the luxury box, you know, were administ administered tests. So they did all the right things. You know, if they had any problems, they wouldn't have been allowed to keep bringing uh, 15,000 fans to every one of their games and, and made that place, you know, a, a pretty interesting place. The, the Kansas City Chiefs are one of the best organizations in all sports and how they safely and efficiently, say that five times, Rob, <laughs> handle the COVID situation with their fans shows just that. Well done, Chiefs. I love it, Gary. And, and we'll see here over the next 10 days or so whether Green Bay is going to allow some people back in the building. Brown County's numbers are way down. And, and so just to kind of piggyback your thought there, Gary, I think it's time for the Packers to allow, you know, five, 10,000 people back in the building. We'll see if Mark Murphy and the gang does that. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just so impressed because you heard of a few teams around the league that allowed fans in, but I didn't realize they allowed that many. I mean, 15,000 fans, you know, that's, that's a pretty good number. So uh, hopefully, you know, the Packers will be uh, aware of that and uh, try to, you know, at least like you said, get a few thousand more fans in uh, for the playoffs. Yep, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, Gary. It, it, it seems like it's, it's, it's time right now. And, you know, again, whether Murphy and the gang will do that, um, you know, it, it's interesting. I thought, Gary, they would have said something by now. We're, you know, a week and a half away from the divisional playoffs. And I, I kind of thought they'd have, have, have said where they were headed with the, with the postseason by now. Uh, they're going to have to make a call pretty soon here, Gary, probably, you know, 24 to 48 hours from when you and I are doing this, this podcast, just so, just so they can get, uh, you know, uh, people's money in hand and, and, and get things rolling from, from a ticket perspective. So uh, I, I would expect some news to break on that here in the next day or two. Yeah, no, hopefully, you know, that'll make a uh, special season even more special. So Rob, what can I say? It was a blast and uh, always enjoy talking to you. I think I've said that after every podcast this year and I'll say it again. Uh, you brought some uh, great info to the uh, game. So thank you. And uh, thanks to all of our listeners. All the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and Wuffle's Press Box.com.